again we come to you great god our heavenly father we come to think about your word at the beginning of our working day we ask that you will speak to us through it help us to understand what you have to say to us for jesus christ's sake amen god is still working out his promise and we've come now to a new stage so where have they got to well they're on the plains of moab east of the river jordan and moses who's led them for the last 40 years is dead there was perhaps a, a feeling of excitement or even anticipation but I think it likely too that there was a feeling of uncertainty and apprehension of the future. What God's brought us this far, now what's going to happen? But how did the new leader feel? Now we read this story with hindsight. Forget hindsight for a little bit and put yourself in his shoes. Yes, he was Moses' successor. He'd been designated that publicly before all the people. And there had been a special time at the tabernacle in the presence of God when he was commissioned. He was Moses' designated successor. But he knew he was not Moses. Usually he would not have the same access to the Lord that Moses had. It would be through the high priest by means of Urim and Thummim. Remember, he'd witnessed all the difficulties that Moses had had because he'd been uh, Moses' servant right from the ex time of the Exodus. He'd witnessed the difficulties from family, from priests, from the people. And of course, he'd been there at the terrible Kadesh Barnea incident when they simply refused to go into the promised land. Would the people maintain their loyalty to him? Even when he was being commissioned by the Lord, the Lord had foretold a time when they would forsake his way. They would rebel. And just recently, hadn't the people been seduced by the women of Moab? And wasn't there with this terrible business? right there by the river Jordan. He was only human. Would they really be able to overcome and drive out those seven peoples that lived in that promised land? Oh yes, uh, he'd been full of faith 40 years before. He'd come out of the promised land and was one of just the two who said, yes, we can do it, let's go. But Moses had been the leader now. But now Joshua was in that lonely position of leader. And I think many a God-appointed leader has felt how lonely this can be. But then we see God's gracious word to him. God spoke to him. And the way it reads that it was not with the aid of the high priest, but it was direct. And God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Huh? I told him he wouldn't enter the promised land. 
Now he's dead. Now the time has come to enter. And then God repeats his earlier promise. Let me read it to you. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Mm, wonderful promise. And then God goes further. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then he adds, be strong and courageous. You shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. Hmm. Careful to do all the things in the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Three times, he says, be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you success. But it will demand physical and moral courage and a commitment always to follow my way. The task demands everything you've got, Joshua. Well, we know the rest of the chapter. Uh, Joshua gives the order to prepare, said three days, we're going boys, get your provisions ready. And he reminds the two and a half tribes that have asked for their inheritance to be on the east side of Jordan. Just remember, he said, the armed men must cross over with us and, uh, and the rest of the people. So what can we learn from all of this then this morning? Well, graciously and kindly, the Lord comes to Joshua. Let's note that. Joshua has been faithful in helping Moses since he was a young man. He proved faithful to the Lord when almost all the people were unwilling to believe God's promises and to go forward. And the Lord understands how he feels now. You could almost say it was very thoughtful of the Lord to come to him just at this time. The Lord sees his lonely position and comes to encourage him. I will never leave you or forsake you, he says. And this is personal to Joshua. Um, the old AV makes it clear because it uses these and thou's for the singular and you for the plural. But in our modern translations, we say you, 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 you all the time. But in three and four, when God was renewing his promise, the you is plural. God is talking to the people as a whole. I will be with you. I am going to give you the land. Everywhere that the sole of your foot will tread, I will give you. But now, from verse 5 onwards, the you is singular. He's talking personally to Joshua. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And God's kindness and tenderness at this time 
reminds us of Psalm 103. Perhaps you thought of it already. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. In other words, he understands. But he's not pampering Joshua, is he? He gives the most bracing challenge. Be strong and very courageous. As I said, three times he says it. It's going to take all you've got. I'll be with you. It'll take all you've got, Joshua. We all have a calling from the Lord. I think we all understand that. It may be a calling in marriage and with a family. It may be a calling as a single person, single parent, someone retired, a carer, as part of our church family. We have a calling from the Lord. And we may have a special calling of being a helper in some way or a teacher, or an elder, whatever. And he might call us even to move house and go to another place, even overseas. In other words, we each have a life to live for him. Whoever we are, wherever we are, we have a life to live for him. And we have the same encouragement that is given to Joshua. We have the assurance that he knows our situation, he knows its stress points, and he cares for us as he cares for Joshua. Or you say, are we right to lift those words out of the Old Testament? Now, after all, they were said to Joshua. Are, are, we, are we right to take them and say what well, they apply to us? Well, we need to remember that the writer to the Hebrews picks up this very incident. And he says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you had. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And again, he uses the singular tense. He's talking to those discouraged Hebrew Christians and he's applying it to them as individuals. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then he goes on to say, we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So we need to take this as an encouragement for ourselves. When we're low, when we're even doubting our calling, when we, we, we feel spiritually that we're, we're failing so much that we, we feel unworthy of God's goodness, he still says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. And remember the promise to Paul, my grace is sufficient, whatever the circumstances. We all have a calling and we have a similar challenge as well. He says to us, uh, be strong and very courageous. The fact that I'm with you doesn't mean to say everything will be smooth and easy and that there won't be any difficulties. Be strong and courageous applies to us. Even as Christian believers, 
You say, well, where's that in the New Testament? How about this? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Or how about this? Be watchful, stand fast or firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now, sorry, ladies, he's really meaning here uh, that it's men that have to go to, the, to war. They have to display their strength. So he's calling upon all Christians. Be like men. Be strong. This is your calling. Difficulties don't imply there's something lacking in us. The fact that we don't sail through difficulties doesn't mean to say, well, what's... What's all wrong with your Christian experience? There will be times when we find it hard, when it will demand everything that we've got. Be strong, be courageous. And there's another verse from the Apostle Paul. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And there are many believers around the world this very morning that are experiencing just this thing. And there are believers in our own culture who are standing up for the Lord publicly and are prepared for all kinds of uh, uh, ill-mannered behavior towards them for the sake of the Lord. Joan and I read just this morning about a Vietnamese man who stood up for religious freedom to the government. They closed his church and he protested about that. They put him in prison. And he's just been released after 16 years. He has intestinal problems. He has difficulty in walking. And he bears the marks of the beatings that he has suffered. His wife and family lost their land and their homes. 16 years. Be strong and very courageous. I will never leave you or forsake you. <laughs> and that's for us too. <laughs>